Welcome to the Cutting Edge Ministries podcast. Our mission is threefold. One, to explain the goals and aspirations of the New World Order. Two, to explain how its implementation will affect the average American citizen and family. And number three, to show how families are being influenced now before we actually move into this system. Armed with this information, you will learn how you can protect yourself, your children, your family, your loved ones and friends, and live a triumphant Christian life in a most difficult world. And now to our podcast. Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is Jim on behalf of David Bay, Director of Cutting Edge Ministries, located on the Internet at CuttingEdge.org and by phone at 800-451-8211. The title of today's message is Pedophile Catholic Priest Confesses Directly to the Pope in 1973. But His Holiness took no action. Later, more than 50 children were molested and raped. The Pope took great pains to call American cardinals to the Vatican to solve the priest-pedophile issue, yet we read that Pope Paul VI was directly told by a pedophile priest that he was sexually abusive with children, but the Pope took no action. How can we expect any Pope to take any substantial action? Indeed, no pope has ever taken any action to rid the entire Roman Catholic Church of this satanic stain of pedophilia. News Brief quote, Porter confessed to Pope, ex-North priest, told Vatican of abuse in 1973, end quote, from staff in Wire Reports, The Sun Chronicle, May 16, 2002. Quoting, North Attleboro, Massachusetts, former North Attleboro priest James Porter told Pope Paul VI in 1973 that he had been sexually molesting children nearly 20 years before victims stepped forward to reveal the abuse they had suffered. Porter's confession is among newly released records, which show that Catholic Church officials, including the late Cardinal Umberto Medeiros, knew of child molestation allegations against Porter as far back as the 1960s. The court document is among hundreds of pages obtained by the Boston Herald and reported today. Porter's personal file included a 17-page letter he wrote to Pope Paul VI, in which he asked to be removed from the priesthood. The file was forwarded to the Vatican in 1973. In the letter addressed to Most Holy Father Porter, who was priest at St. Mary's Catholic Church in North Attleboro during the early 1960s, recounts that Fall River Bishop James Conley knew he had been caught molesting a boy and Conley sent him home to be with his family until the scandal died down. Quoting, A short time later, Bishop Conley gave me another chance and assigned me to Sacred Heart Parish in Fall River, Porter wrote, I can't recollect how much about my stay there, except for a short time. I again fell in the same situation that plagued me in North Attleboro, end quote. Porter has admitted to molesting at least 50 children while he was a priest in the Diocese of Fall River in the late 1960s. He pleaded guilty to molesting 28 children in 1993 after victims formed a group in 1992 and detailed the abuse against them, end quote. This information is simply totally unbelievable. 
Let us review these terrible revelations again, one by one. The first one, tortured pedophile priest James Porter wrote a 17-page letter to His Holiness Pope Paul VI, completely confessing his sexual molestation and rape of children. Porter then asked to be relieved of his duties, undoubtedly because he did not want to continue his compulsive sexual abuse. Number two, His Holiness Pope Paul VI did nothing. He took no action. He did not care about the plight of the poor, innocent children one little bit. Number three, the only action recorded was that the bishop moved Porter to the Fall River Diocese, where Porter proceeded to molest and rape 50 more children. Over the years, he was serving there. Point number four, not only did Pope Paul VI know that Porter was raping children, but so did Fall River Bishop James Conley and the late Cardinal Umberto Medeiros. Yet, not one of them ever contacted the police. Not one of them ever took the common-sense step of reassigning Father Porter so he could not have access to children. It almost seems that Father Porter's superiors have a vested interest in keeping him supplied with little boys. We have addressed this issue from our knowledge of Bible doctrine and white magic witchcraft in our news article 1646 entitled, Why Do Sex Abuse Victims of the Catholic Priest Remain Silent Instead of Telling Their Parents? We consider this information to be the defining answer as to how this type of priestly pedophilia could go on for so long without becoming public knowledge. As a matter of fact, sexual perversions, both heterosexual and homosexual, have been occurring within the Roman Catholic priesthood for the past 800 years. However, this kind of protection of offending priests smacks of another angle, the protection secret societies have always given their members. In the next topic, titled, Freemasonry Protects Its Own, quote, As Masons climb the Masonic ladder, their oaths contain instructions not to testify against a brother Mason, even though he has committed a crime. The Mason, taking the oath of the third degree, promises to conceal all crimes committed by a fellow Mason, except those of treason and murder. However, by the 13th degree, the oath is taken to the effect that all crimes are to be covered and concealed, even murder and treason. This means that if a Mason has committed murder and the judge is also a Mason, the judge is obligated by his Masonic oath to set the murderer free. This may even mean placing the blame on an innocent person. In fact, this command is given in one handbook. You must conceal all the crimes of your brother Masons, and should you be summoned as a witness against a brother, be always sure to shield him. It may be perjury to do this. It is true, but you are keeping your obligations. End quote. This comes from the book by Dr. Kathy Burns, Hidden Secrets of Masonry, in chapter 4. Now let us continue to quote from actual Masonic books. When a Mason is taking the oath of the third degree, he promises to conceal all crimes committed by a fellow Mason, except those of treason and murder. From Malcolm Duncan, Duncan's Ritual of Freemasonry, New York, David McKay, Company, page 94. 
I find these two exceptions very odd since Masons have always been publicly committed to the abolishment of individual nation states in favor of a global government. If you look up treason in any dictionary, you'll discover that the parameters of treason are taking action that is detrimental to one's own country. As far as murder is concerned, a Mason admits to no absolute right or wrong. This is from Albert Pike, Morals and Dogma, page 37. Number two, at the seventh degree, the Mason promises that he will assist a companion Royal Archmason when I see him engaged in any difficulty and will espouse his cause so far as to extricate him from the same, whether he is right or wrong, from page 230. Number three, at the 13th degree, Masons take an oath to conceal all crimes, including murder and treason. Listen to Dr. Burns again, quoting Masonic author Edmund Ronane, quote, You must conceal all the crimes of your brother Masons, and should you be summoned as a witness against a brother Mason, be always sure to shield him. It may be perjury to do this, it is true, but you're keeping your obligations. End quote from Dr. Kathy Burns' Masonic and Occult Symbols Illustrated, page 224. Is there any information that the Vatican is riddled with Freemasonry? Yes, there is. And the report is from a Catholic author. Quote, the broken cross, satanic symbol of the false prophet working on behalf of Antichrist. Paul VI made us a, a sinister symbol used by the Satanists in the 6th century that had been revived at the time of Vatican II. This was the bent of broken cross on which was displayed a repulsive and distorted figure of Christ, which the black magicians and sorcerers of the Middle Ages had made use of to present the biblical term, Mark of the Beast. Yet not only Paul VI, but his successors, the two John Pauls, plus Benedict and plus Francis I, carried the fake cross and held it up to be revered by crowds who had not the slightest idea that it stood for Antichrist. This from the Broken Hand, Hidden Hand in the Vatican, by Piers Compton, page 71, and also quoted by Dr. Kathy Burns. Few people realize that the advent of Pope VI to the papacy presented a sea change in the world of the occult, after many centuries of the black magic Illuminati fighting the white magic Vatican for global supremacy, the Illuminati got one of their own men into the papacy, Paul VI, to flash this victory to all occultists worldwide. Pope Paul VI began using the twisted cross in all public ceremonies. Using this symbol also meant that the Roman Catholic Pope would become the ultimate false prophet of Revelation 13, 11 through 18. Read our news, number 1052. Standing beside Antichrist, supporting him, and possessing the same satanic powers. Showing forth the black magic twisted cross to the multitudes of adoring faithful also was very good way to which to begin preparing the masses of the world to accept Antichrist and his kingdom. Pope Paul VI was the first anti-pope, but he was followed by both John Pauls, Benedict, and Francis I, both of whom displayed the twisted cross. Now let us return to Pierre Compton's book to see the connection with Pope Paul VI and Freemasonry. 
Quote, within a few days of Paul's return to Rome, Pope Paul let it be known that Rome was ready to take a new look at secret societies, end quote. Flashpoint magazine listed some specific officials under Paul VI who were Masons, quoting, In fact, many of those close to Paul VI were Masons, such as Monsignor Pascal Machi, who was Paul VI's private secretary, initiated April 23, 1958, Monsignor Mario Rizzi, initiated September 6, 1969, Cardinal Ugo Pallotti, initiated February 17, 1969, and Monsignor Francesco Marchiasano, initiated February 4, 1961. Paul VI himself has been purported to be a Mason. End quote. Getting back to Compton gives us a even more detail. Compton states that one summer morning, 1976, young Catholic seminarians were greatly alarmed by a revelation in a journal called the Borges, for the paper contained a detailed list of clerics, some holding the most exalted offices, who were said to be members of secret societies. It was staggering news for the students who were acquainted with Canon Law 2335, which expressly stated that a Catholic who joined any such secret society became excommunicate, while Canon 2336 was concerned with disciplinary measures to be enforced against any cleric who might join a secret society, Michael Howard, the Luciferian author of the occult conspiracy Secret Societies, The Influence and Power in World History, speaks of this same list, but goes further, revealing that most of those officials were members of Freemasonry. Howard stated that the list of these high Vatican officials who were members of the occult secret societies extended as high as Pope Paul VI, private secretary and director general of the Vatican Radio, page 152. Note that Howard used the words members of occult secret societies rather than just exclusively Freemasonry. For years, Catholics had been able to join Masonic clone societies, Knights of Columbus, even though they were officially forbidden to join Freemasonry, This is the reason Howard chose his words so carefully. Compton continues regarding the official sanctioning of Freemasonry. Quote, This assertion in the Borghese was denied most vociferously by a writer, La Aurora Jacques Plancard, who asserted that no prelate had been affiliated with the secret society since 1830. However, determined investigators, some posing as members of the government, gained access to the Italian Register of Secret Societies, compiling a list of cardinals, archbishops, and bishops who were members of secret societies. This list included 125 prelates. Compton then lists of these names on page 78 to 84, stating, The French Register of Secret Societies is more closely guarded than the Italian, so that particulars of recent initiates cannot be quoted. The most sustained list of clerics belonging to French secret societies covers a few decades preceding the French Revolution in 1785, and it numbered then, even at that time, when infiltration of the church by its enemies was on a smaller scale than it soon attained, some 256 members. 
I was startled when Compton quoted the New World Order book, Occult Conspiracy, by Michael Howard, for I've read that book and have it on my bookshelf. Turning to Chapter 7, entitled Secrets of the Vatican, I read, With the death of the reforming Pope John in 1963, the Catholic Church entered a turbulent period, which saw the Vatican shaken by financial scandal caused by its doubtful relationship with a secret Masonic Lodge, the Mafia and right-wing extremists. The new Pope, Giovanni Montini, was elected as Pope Paul VI. His critics noted that the Vatican previous hardline on Freemasonry notably relaxed, page 152 and 153. This tremendous change is understandable when you understand that the symbolism of Pope Paul VI holding forth the black magic twisted cross as the official crucifix. Black magic now controlled the Vatican. Now the historic battle between the Illuminati and the Vatican for global control was over, and black magic Illuminati had won. The stage was now set for full papal approval of membership in secret societies. On November 27, 1983, Pope John Paul II issued the papal bull, which legalized current society membership for Roman Catholics. Finally, after over 200 years, the masters of the Illuminati Secret Society, originators of the concept of the New World Order, have achieved one of their major objectives, the infiltrating of their own Illuminist as Supreme Pontiff of the Roman Catholic Church. This breakthrough occurred, as we have already stated, in the early 1960s when Pope Paul VI came into power. This time period also fits into the general period of spiritual degradation and apostasy, which we have noted in earlier programs. And in Seminar 2, America Controls the Flow of History. Interestingly, Christian author Bill Cooper, in his book Behold a Pale Horse, available in the Cutting Edge Bookstore, states... An alliance was formed, bringing together, for the first time in history, the black family's European nobility, which have historically practiced occult spiritualism. The Illuminati, the Vatican, and the Freemason now working together to bring about the New World Order. That's on page 80. When a Mason is taking the oath of the third degree, he promises to conceal all crimes committed by a fellow Mason except those of treason and murder. Malcolm Duncan, Duncan's Ritual of Freemasonry, New York, David McKay, on page 94. At the seventh degree, the Mason promises that he will assist a companion Royal Arch Mason when I see him engaged in any difficulty and will espouse his cause so far as to extricate him from the same, whether he be right or wrong, from page 230. At the thirteenth degree, Masons take the oath to conceal all crimes, including murder and treason. Listen to Dr. Kathy Burns quoting Masonic author Edmund Ronane. Quote, you must conceal all crimes of your brother Mason, and should you be summoned as a witness against a brother Mason, be always sure to shield him. It may be perjury to do this. It is true, but you're keeping your obligations. Dr. Burns, Masonic and Occult Symbols, page 224. This book is also available in the Cutting Edge Bookstore. Now, you know that all superiors of pedophile priests are bound by their secret society oaths to conceal the crimes of their priests, to be always sure to shield him, even if it conflicts with law and even if perjury is committed. However, judges, prosecutors, 
policemen, and sheriffs, who are also Freemasons, or the Twin Society Knights of Columbus, are equally bound to conceal the crimes, shielding him even if it conflicts with law. Thus, you will find police departments who have also refused to go after pedophile priests to the full extent of the law allows because they consider themselves bound by higher law, the secret society oath. Meanwhile, the poor innocent sexually abused kids really suffer, and for a lifetime, no one in authority who should protect them even holds up a finger to do so. Now we come to the conclusion. Now we can understand both reasons that the Roman Catholic hierarchy has traditionally protected pedophile priests rather than turn them over to authorities, and rather than acting to protect the innocent children caught in the monstrous good old boy club of the interlocking secret societies. First, the Roman Catholic Church is founded on doctrines of demons. You can read our news 1646 for more on that, with its entire hierarchy of officials from the Pope and down guilty of having consciences as though seared by a hot iron, from 1 Timothy 4.1. These officials have created a system based on celibacy of the priesthood, an historically proven method that produces sexual perversion in the priesthood. As we stated in News 1646, popes with seared consciences created a system of spiritual doctrines centered around the confessional that gives the advantage to a smart, aggressive priest. When priests do get caught, these church officials are not surprised, for these priests are merely taking advantage of the situation created in 1123 A.D. Superiors merely move the offending priest from parish to parish, where he can prey on young boys and on women, depending upon the individual priest's predilection. Secondly, the Vatican has now allowed its members to really be Freemason rather than just members of a weaker sister, Knights of Columbus. All the oaths secret society members take to protect their brothers, whether they are right or wrong, take hold. Popes, cardinals, priests, and Catholic police officers, judges, prosecutors are all bound by the higher law of their terrible oaths. There is truly no justice for the widow's son, especially lacking in justice in the Roman Catholic Church, rotten to the bottom, as it is based on doctrines that demons teach. The terrible lack of justice in the world today is proof positive we are living in the end of the age. There is a strong connection in our bookstore in a DVD we carry called Pedophilia, Satanic Ritual of the Royal Secret. It reveals that occult people believe that they can attain unto eternal life if they have sex with a minor child. This video shines scriptural light on the Devil's Triangle, a dangerous conjunction of Freemasonry, Aleister Crowley's The Lima Cult of the Fascinating Child, and the dark social engineering mind control efforts of the Tavistock Institute, M16, CIA. Today, Satan has the world in its vice grip because of the widespread usage of pedophilia. Pedophilia is literally the grease that moves the levers of power from people as divisive as Jeffrey Epstein, Bill and Hillary Clinton, Hunter Biden, both George Bushes, and Henry Kissinger. In this teaching, learn what demonic overlords command, geopolitical perversity, nihilism, violence, 
wokeness, and Satanism working frantically to crush and pervert our morality, children, scriptural family values, freedom, and religious rights. Then stand ready as Dr. Schneblin shares how to dismantle those overlords with anointed strategies of spiritual warfare to take back territory the enemy has stolen. Learn how Satan is using his minions to infiltrate, then devastate Western society and culture, although Christians worldwide are horrified with the explicit threat of increased child sex trafficking, violence, murder, and worse, escalating to the point of chaos. Learn what can be done to stop this onslaught and the spiritual warfare tactics needed to put on your blood-bought, ordained battle armor in this end-time war. This is a full two hours of teaching, and you can find this DVD in the Cutting Edge bookstore. I'll put a link for it at the end of the transcript for this podcast. Today's podcast was brought to you by our supporters who donate to Cutting Edge Ministries from our website. Just look for the blue donations button if you'd like to become a supporter and help our outreach. The world now stands at the precipice of the appearance of Antichrist and his false prophet. Are you born again? Go to cuttingedge.org and look for the blue button that says Salvation Message for the Plan of Salvation. You can contact us by phone at 800-451-8211, by mail or by email listed on our website. God bless you and may he maintain a hedge of protection around you and your family and give you peace. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We'll talk to you again soon.